Here at That's So Chronic, we are dedicated to sharing personal stories. We are not advocating any type of treatment, therapy, procedure or intervention. Everyone is unique, so please seek professional medical advice before making any decisions for yourself or for others. Welcome to That's So Chronic, the podcast where I, Jess Bryan, interview some incredible people from around the world that are thriving and sometimes only just surviving with chronic illnesses, life-changing injuries and potentially disastrous diagnoses. Today's episode is all about endometriosis with high school drama teacher and endo-warrior Adele Louise Tunnicliffe. Adele talks about her journey to a diagnosis, which involved surgery, pain and passing out, how she navigates the public health system, the symptoms she lives with and how endometriosis affects her mental health. Adele was so generous with everything she shared in this episode. So generous, in fact, she even brought me pictures of her scans. And I learned a lot from chatting with her. Whether you have endometriosis, know someone with it, or have no idea what on earth it is, I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to That's So Chronic. I want to actually start on a tangent because I just want to say how amazing I think you are. Oh, thank you. <laughs> if you don't know Adele, she is a high school drama teacher and for the majority of this year it's been done on Zoom or in a physically distanced classroom. So I think round of applause for that. Congratulations <laughs> on being here today. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but you also have endometriosis. Yes. Which we're going to chat about today. So what is your definition of endometriosis? So the way I like to describe it to people is it's like parts of the tissue that like normally come out during a period kind of like grow elsewhere in the body. So okay. part of the endometrium, endometrium, I can't pronounce anything. So this is going to be hilarious. <laughs> There's a lot of big words. But yeah, so many big words. But part of the tissue kind of grows in different spots around your body um it's even been found in like places like the lungs and stuff but basically it causes inflammation and can cause adhesions and basically causes a lot of inflammatory pain yeah so it's an inflammatory based chronic illness yes that's how I describe it which is wow. a tangential way of explaining it but yeah. yeah and I've been looking at some pictures online but also I've actually seen pictures of your <laughs> endo as well which I feel so honored that you're showing me but it 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 looks like a chocolatey brown or a black color and sometimes I've read it can be white as yeah. well these little spots I guess yeah and I was watching this Instagram live with a doctor, a gynecologist who's based in Melbourne. His name is Dr. Joseph Scroy. And he was saying, like, he described it so perfectly. So I'm going to share it today. Yeah, yeah. Cool. It's like a picture frame on the wall. And if you, you know, ran your hand across the wall, it sticks out. And so you can feel it and you can see it. And it's so obviously there. But that isn't always how endo presents itself. It can also be like a decal or like a wallpaper on the wall. And so it's only like ever so slightly sticking out. And I think that's why it can be so hard to just diagnose straight off the bat, which I would love to learn about your diagnosis 
Although I have a feeling it might not have been <laughs> as simple as just being no, diagnosed. No, definitely wasn't. Yeah. So let's start all the way back when you first ever got your period. Oh my gosh. How okay. old were you? I actually don't remember. I don't remember mine either. <laughs> I feel like it was one of those like traumatic things that you block out of your memory. You're like, uh, but I think I was about... 14. I know it was like later than a lot of my other friends and yep. like most of them had it. So I knew what it was. I knew that it was painful. Yeah. So I didn't think anything of it when I did get my period and it was quite painful. Like I would have numb legs for like the first three days wow. and like I would be bedridden, but I was just like, yeah, that's normal, which is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, because, and also like I asked my help teacher, and she's like, oh, yeah, that's normal. Yeah. Did you learn anything about endometriosis in health um, class at school? Was I remember it, it was mentioned, but okay. like literally like here are all the different things that you could have. Ah. <laughs> so it was like they mentioned endometriosis, but it wasn't really explained. Yeah. And like I kind of thought, huh, I kind of have all those symptoms, but I never really thought anything of it. When you're a teenager, like that's your health is literally the last thing on your mind in a way yeah and so what was it like as a teenager every time you got your period was it regular it was totally irregular right so it never really had a rhyme or reason and I went on the pill when I was about uh I would say 15 so Mm -hmm. pretty early because of the painful periods right so my doctor was like I will put you on the pill because that can help with regularity and that was good because obviously whenever I took the sugar pill then I'd get a bleed and Mm -hmm. so I had a pretty regular period but the pill and I went on a few different pills did not agree with my mental health at all oh my god sent me into like pretty major anxiety and depression Mm -hmm. Um, as early as a teenager yeah so like 15 I was like full-blown anxiety ridden from and I directly link it a lot of it to the pill because it changes your hormones and It was flushing me with a lot of hormones that my body couldn't handle because the other thing with endo is your, I think it's estrogen, Mm -hmm. is like insane. Yes, and the endo feeds, it thrives Mm. on that estrogen. And so people that have more estrogen or are taking a pill that's giving them estrogen is really like fueling this thing. Yeah, so basically the pill kind of probably, I mean, I don't know, I'm not a doctor, (laughs) but it basically fueled it. So I was getting, you know, pretty painful periods and it would put me like, I would take time off school. Wow, yeah. Sometimes. Um, There were days where I'd go to school anyways, but it was painful and I couldn't focus Mm -hmm. um, and it really impacted my schooling. I managed to get through, but like I did a lot of dance and drama and I remember being in like cats and getting my period and it was opening night and I was like this is the worst because yeah. <laughs> like musical theater life you just kind of you know you twist your ankle you tape it up you carry on you yeah. know the show must go on but like I couldn't explain the period pain to other people because all of the women and the well, people who got periods like would be like oh like it's just a period it's not that bad but I would be literally like writhing in pain on yeah. the floor and it, it was really terrible so it was not a fun time yeah it was only when I was about 17, 18 that my doctor went, I think you might have endometriosis. Okay. <laughs> and so what did that process look like um, from that day on? Yeah. So she was, she kind of mentioned it and I looked it up more and she was like, oh, but I don't know. Like, let's try you on some different birth control. Okay. So yeah, it, basically from there I went on a different pill and that kind of worked. 
And then I moved during my gap year overseas to Perth. Okay. And like didn't have a consistent doctor. Yeah. And went off birth control entirely. Um, And what happened with that? Totally irregular periods. And then the mood again was like really bad. So I went, okay, this is not good. And then when I moved back to New Zealand, I went to I went to Vic, um, Victoria University, and I went to the health clinic there about you know and you know I want to go back on birth control, and they sent me to family planning, mm-hmm. and then they they were like, we think you have endo. Okay. So and I was like, yeah, I know. My doctor mentioned it. And they're like, ah, oh, okay. What have you tried? And then they put me on. Depot Provera, which is the injection. Right. And then literally like six months into it, they were like, wait, you have a family member who is osteoporosis, my dad. Okay. Um, I hope he doesn't mind me mentioning yeah. that. No, he doesn't. <laughs> um, which can be exacerbated by Depot Provera or something like that. So they took me off that. And then they were like, we're going to refer you to the hospital for a marina. And this is before the marina was free. Right. So that they were trying to get it for me for free. Mm-hmm. And when I went to the hospital, I was under the impression that I was going to also possibly have surgery to check for endo. Okay. And I got to the hospital clinic and then the lady was like, no, we're just putting the marina in you. She gave me a pamphlet. I was briefly told it might be painful. and But because of... Because of all the information down there. Yes. Right. And at this stage, no one has gone inside there. They've just said, oh, we think you have endo. They've done yeah. a couple of internal scans, but you can't actually pick it up. So what is an time. internal scan? They like stick like a, like, you know how you get an ultrasound on mm-hmm. your tummy? They stick like an internal ultrasound thing up your what's it yeah. and um like they literally stick it inside and kind of have an exploration okay to see if they can see any obvious because sometimes they can pick up patches of endo and I think this is what that doctor was saying mm. when I was watching the live is that sometimes with a, an ultrasound scan like that it's so obvious and it's right there but other times it's yeah. not so obvious so they found I think they found like minor cysts okay. which was what we saw in my images I showed you before, but they were like, oh, we'd have to take, we'd have to do surgery to find out. So I was under the impression that going to the hospital, they were going to do surgery and then put the marina. But I got there and they were like, no, we're just doing the marina. So this is where the miscommunication across health teams just didn't quite meet up. Mm -hmm. So when I got the marina inserted, going back, like, I'm already in a lot of pain. And then I got the marina inserted and during the insertion I actually passed out from the pain. Oh my god. And later on I've since found it's because like they were literally tapping on the on the adhesion that you saw. Yeah. So sometimes with endometriosis the endo can create these adhesions and it literally can stick your organs together. Yeah. And that's what's happened to you. And so they were tapping on that. So I have an adhesion. I think it's been cut since my surgery, but only a little bit. It's still slightly there. I have an adhesion between my uterus and my bowel. Okay. So I also have like very similar symptoms to IBS. Okay. Which is a common misdiagnosis for people who have endo is that they're told they have IBS. But in reality, it's just you've got a lot of the same symptoms. Okay. So yeah. And then... 
after I got that merino inserted stool, I still haven't had an official diagnosis. Of endometriosis. I've only been told. You probably have it. Okay, okay, let's unpack <laughs> this. So the marina gets inserted. They mm-hmm. think that they're being super helpful, that mm-hmm. this is going to control your symptoms. So what are your endo symptoms or what were they then? So like really painful periods, mm-hmm. bloating, fatigue like pretty intense fatigue I would get like electric shock spasms up my body I'm just trying to think like IBS type symptoms pain during sex that kind of stuff yeah pretty much like all the symptoms you can think of yeah I had them wow and so because the adhesion is is connecting the bell does that mean that it was like it's really hard to pass bell movements I was quite lucky in that it wasn't actually that bad that kind of stuff I, I have been very lucky on. Yeah. Um, well-oiled machine. <laughs> it's so gross to talk about, but it's also like I was quite lucky. Um, but yeah, that has changed since surgery though. Okay, so then the marina goes in. You don't yeah. actually get the surgery for endometriosis. What happens next? So then I moved to Auckland and got a... Got a new doctor up here. You know, I was still getting pretty painful periods um, despite being... Like, the marina, I don't get... I wasn't getting periods. Mm-hmm. Like, they completely stopped. But I would get all the symptoms. Right. And no bleed. Okay. So, yeah. So it's pretty redundant. It was useless. Yeah. It was like, cool, it stopped my periods, but I'm still getting the symptoms at a really irregular... Like, they had no consistency to them. I couldn't even, like, track when it was going to happen or, like, plan when it was going to happen, um, which causes a lot of stress. Yeah. So then I finally found, like, a good doctor in Auckland, but it took over a year. And I think that's kind of the same with most people with chronic illnesses is, like, you've got to find the right doctor. Yeah. She really pushed for me to have a referral to the Auckland Green Lane Clinic. And then I met a gynecologist there. We talked about it. He was, so this is my first gynecologist. Okay. This is the story. I'm sure he's like very intelligent. <laughs> I'm sure he has a lot of knowledge, but he was the most apathetic gynecologist I've ever met. Okay. So he'd ask me my symptoms. He'd be like, mm, yeah, yeah, you definitely have all the symptoms. And I'm like, yeah, but I need the surgery, don't I? And he's like, yeah, but we, you know, we try not to do the surgery unless it's really necessary. And I went, well, it is necessary because I'd like to know if I have endo. Please note that I've been told I probably had endo at 17. At this point, I'm about 24, 23. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I was like, I, I want the surgery. Mm-hmm. And he was like, well, actually, I'm going to send you to a pain psychologist and a physio to see if we can ease the symptoms. I mean, great. I would like <laughs> to be in less pain, but and still do like, I even have this thing? Like, yeah, like, is it? so at that point, then I started exploring, maybe I have PCOS, which you talked about with Hayley, and, and I, a lot of those symptoms are very similar, so I was like, maybe I have this instead. So yeah. I started, like, self-diagnosing because I wasn't getting anything. And I remember the pain psychologist, again, I'm sure she's a really intelligent person, but I remember her telling me that I was holding the pain in front of my face and I needed to take it away from my face and put it away. Okay. And I was like, oh, okay. So if, if I'm sad, I just go, nah, I'm not sad anymore. And she was like, no, it's a bit different with pain. And I think it was a very unnuanced way of trying to explain, like pain is actually 
created yeah. in our brain. I do acknowledge that. Yeah. But she more or less kind of told me it was all in my head. Yeah, which is, it's tough to be able, yeah. like, to even be told something like that when you're constantly going through something as intense as I'm sure the pain you are feeling is. Mm. It's not in your head, you know? <laughs> like, it's very real and it's debilitating. Yeah, yeah. So then, like, this is a year later, I sat with the gynecologist and I said, I'm not leaving this room until you refer me to surgery. I think it's important to say what the surgery is. Yeah. It's the laparoscopy. Lap- oh lap- my God. Laparoscopy. Laparoscopy. The lap. The lap. So what is a lap? <laughs> what is the surgery? So I've actually got this like handy little info sheet in front of me. I love a good I'm pamphlet. <laughs> super prepared. So basically it's like a procedure that allows the surgeon to look at the organs inside the patient's abdomen and pelvis okay so they put like little incisions and like a little tiny little camera to have a look and if they find any adhesions or endometriosis i had excision surgery so there's two different types there's ablation okay which is where they burn it off and it's not actually very effective Mm -hmm. and it's done in america and it was also done in a lot of places in australia so i had i had excision so if they find any endo, they cut it out within the laparoscopy. Okay. And they cut it out and basically send it off to a lab to make sure, yes, it's endo, but also by cutting it out, they hope that it reduces the growth. Yeah. But it does grow back. Okay. <laughs> it's like, I'm trying to think of a plant that like no matter how much you cut it, it just grows back. Okay, yeah. It's yep. like that. Yeah. It will grow back. But maybe by removing... Or cutting back some of it, yeah. it will help the symptoms yeah. in the meantime. Until yeah. And then maybe, fingers crossed, hopefully if they remove most of it, that could be years until that happens, hopefully. Yeah. Fingers crossed. I know that's not always the case. It can be sometimes, though. Yeah. So, um, yeah, when I when I was sitting in the gynecologist's office, I'm like, I'm not leaving until I get yeah. surgery. He was like, okay. Again, really apathetically handed me these pamphlets that I'm sitting with yeah and we you know these are the risks yep I'll refer you and then I got a new gynecologist on board how did you do that well she she just came board. like my gynecologist moved away but so I've done this all through public health I think that's another thing to note I probably would have been diagnosed sooner had I gone through private Mm -hmm. but I one couldn't really afford that two didn't really know enough to think maybe I should go private Mm -hmm. you know I just kind of assumed the public health system would work um which is naive um (laughs) (laughs) but when so she came on board and she also has endometriosis amazing so before my surgery she like introduced herself and then you know she's like oh yeah I understand it and I was like oh yeah because you've studied it and she went no because I have it And I was like, whoa, this is so cool. And then after the surgery, since then, my care has been amazing. So I see a pelvic floor physio very regularly. And she helps me with like all the pain and stuff. And I catch up with that gynecologist just on the very odd occasion just to make sure I'm healing okay. She's really open to learning and wants to hear my perspective. She doesn't sit there and kind of like, talk down to me which I feel like a lot of health professionals do and I totally understand why it's because they're so knowledgeable I know 
They but, know, so I can't even imagine <laughs> how much stuff they must have in their brain. Oh, it's, it baffles me. And like, but because like, as soon as I tell them I'm a teacher, it's amazing. Since I became a teacher, and this is weird, and I find it very weird, like how professionals talk to me on an academic level. Interesting. And I'm like, I don't necessarily understand what you're saying, but it feels kind of cool that they, I don't know, it's almost like not equal. They don't see me as an equal, but they, it kind of feels like they do. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know what they know. Yeah, interesting. But I think also because I've become more assertive, like being a teacher, you, you have to be assertive. So I became more assertive with my health. Yeah. And I'm like, I need this. Okay. So I think if I hadn't been assertive, I wouldn't have had the surgery so what happened after the surgery after the surgery oh the the recovery period for me was quite long okay I could go into a lot of detail I mean how much detail do you want tell us everything so how long was the recovery for me it took like a good two months to feel normal and what was happening so extreme abdominal pain Mm -hmm. so I couldn't actually like sit up so I had to like roll out of bed is this similar to what it was like when you got a period? Uh, no, this? worse. Worse, okay. So this is like the most amount of pain I've ever been in. Um, I also had a lot of shoulder tip pain, okay. which is from the the gas or whatever. Oh. I think that's quite common after any surgery because they put a lot of gas into your abdomen when they do the laparoscopy to like enlarge it. And then some bubbles can stay trapped and they float up <gasps> into your shoulders and cause a lot of pain. Wow, I had no idea. It's so weird. Um. It's like a thing that I found on an endo forum. And then I was getting the same thing and I went, oh, okay. Yeah. I couldn't lift heavy things for a good month. I literally have no core strength, but that's my own fault. Um, <laughs> so I don't want to say that's because of the surgery. But like after the surgery, I couldn't do any core exercises. I still can't do a lot of high intensity stuff just because of the the amount of time it took me to recover was longer than normal. Okay because I didn't have a good set of core muscles. So I would say to like anyone who is, you know, pre-surgery, do like invest in a like workout that increases your core strength. Like a 30-day ab workout challenge on YouTube or something. Do it, because (laughs) honestly, I had none. Yeah. And I think if I had had more core strength, I would have recovered quicker. Okay, that's really interesting. So, yeah, I know other people have had the surgery and their recovery was like two weeks. Right. So it's so different depending on who you are, Mm -hmm. your pain threshold and your core strength and also your diet. Okay. That changed a lot. I've been reading a lot about diet Mm. with endometriosis, so I'm super interested in what you, if you do a specific diet for it. Yeah, I kind of do. I don't really eat dairy, but in saying that, I love cheese. Um, it's a real, like, yeah. So I basically cut out dairy. You have to have a lot more fiber. Okay. <laughs> to make sure everything's a well oiled machine. Yeah. So a lot of fruit and vegetables, not too much sugar, avoiding inflammatory foods. Okay. So, like, wheat and gluten can do that. So I try to have that in small doses. So I think, but the thing is, like, there's so much information out there on, like, what diet you should be on if you have endometriosis which was really overwhelming I mean I was just googling a couple of nights ago and already I'm like oh my god (laughs) FODMAP and this and that and oh yeah it is but it's different for every person Mm -hmm. so I recently spoke to a dietitian 
and again, this is through public health. So they referred me to like someone at the Auckland University who's in their final year of doing dietetics or whatever. So again, I've done this all through public health and I'm very lucky. And I kind of walked her through what I do every day and she just kind of said, you know, your sounds like for you, you need like a really good, well-balanced breakfast to set up your bowel for the rest of the day. Okay. And if you don't have that breakfast, that's when you get bloating. Right. So if I have a banana, that's not enough. Yeah. I actually need a full-on smoothie with like banana, spinach, LSA, berries, peanut butter, water or almond milk. I need a a full-on well-balanced breakfast and if I don't have that I'm guaranteed to get bloating wow no matter what that's fascinating yeah yeah it's not a specific food that is contributing to the bloating it is not setting setting up the body at the beginning of the day yeah but that could be different for a different person yes totally so I'm real hesitant to say any advice Mm -hmm. on diets for endometriosis and I I do follow quite a few Instagram Instagrammers what do you yeah, yeah Instagrammers. Instagrammers. <laughs> oh my gosh, I feel like an old person saying that. Um, <laughs> I follow quite a few people who have endometriosis on Instagram. And the one that I found the most helpful, I'll give you the link. Yes, I'll link it all in the show notes. Um, she's really good because she just kind of treats it quite holistically. And she's like, this is what I do, but it's not going to work for everyone. Whereas I have followed people who have gone, this is what you should do. Yeah, and you should buy this powder off me because mm. it's going to help and it's like well intentioned Yeah, but from my own experience I know that endo is different for different people mm-hmm. and I have really good friends who have endo and talking to them they have an entirely different experience to me yeah and even not only can the symptoms be different of endometriosis but even you know, the actual endo in the body can look different and be different. So, of course, it mm. must be different for everyone. Yeah. So, you were saying that your bowel problems were different before the marina and after this, and then after the surgery, the mm. lab. How does that look for you now? This is quite funny to talk about, I guess. So, actually, since becoming a teacher, I, I think any teacher that's listening to this or anyone who does any kind of work where you don't have have the ability to just go to the bathroom Mm. when you like um we often end up with bladder and bowel problems regardless so just note that this may just be because I'm a teacher but since the surgery I my body like won't tell me when I need to pee okay until it's like bursting I totally understand because my body does that too yeah (laughs) (laughs) it like does not give me any signals at all same for bowel movement so I actually have to like set a schedule so my physio she's so good she's like we're setting you a toilet schedule during your day so I have to schedule when I can go toilet um being a teacher that's what it is anyways Mm -hmm. and it's a lot more difficult because I just have to go at those times and my body doesn't always fully release because everything down there is super tight okay so the other thing with endometriosis Um, what's happened for me is all of my pelvic floor muscles have just seized up 
and I've gone nah we're not letting anything in and we're not letting anything out and I'm in the process of training them to relax okay so most like Pilates or yoga they try and teach you how to like engage Mm. the pelvic floor and like kegels and all that stuff I need to do the opposite okay so when I like go to that I have to like do my breathing exercises amazing and it's so funny at work like one time because it was shared bathrooms with other teachers and I was like doing my breathing exercises but obviously like a little bit louder than normal and another teacher walked in she went stressful day (laughs) (laughs) and I went no I'm just trying to pee (laughs) and then like when we like got to the hand base and I kind of explained to her what I was doing and she was like wow that's so fascinating and like it was so cool to not be like judged yeah because that's the that's the most annoying thing with like shared bathrooms I think for most people is like the nervousness around making any sounds and stuff but like I've just decided no I'm just gonna embrace it this is my new normal yeah but one thing I did refuse to do was my physio wanted me to do a bladder diary and bring like a little cup to like pee into I'm like I'm not doing that What is a bladder diary used for? Um, It's to see, basically to check when your bladder is emptying and if you're emptying it properly. They also do a bowel diary as well, but I didn't have to do that because mine's not irregular. But my bladder habits were. Mm -hmm. But in the end, I just just took down a time of when I was going. And then the, like, what, how I felt. And she was like, okay, that will do. She wasn't super (laughs) impressed. But that's like quite common with people with endometriosis to have bladder and bowel problems because of the pelvic floor muscles being inflamed and they're going through like I can just imagine they're going through so much trauma aren't they like everything down there yeah it's um they're basically best way I describe it is like your pelvic floor muscles are scared of everything yeah and when you're scared you tighten up Mm -hmm. um and you you get tense so basically my pelvic floor muscles have anxiety, <laughs> like like <laughs> major anxiety. They don't know, they have to, they can be trained to relax. So that's really reassuring because I was like worried for a little bit. This is going to be me forever. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to be tense all the time down there and that's, that sucks. But actually it's not like that. And I would say anyone who's listening, who's like just going through the initial stages of being diagnosed see a pelvic floor physio okay request to be referred to one through the public health system they exist they're amazing I'm quite lucky in that I really connect with mine um you kind of have to they get pretty um intimate um with you um but they're they're just amazing and they give you a lot of resources so I've actually I still need to do this. My friend, my friend has endo and I promised I'd send her them because she hasn't been able to see a physio. But they give you a lot of paper resources on like yoga poses to do. So like mm-hmm. yoga is actually one of the most beneficial exercises for people who have endometriosis. Yeah. Something to do with relaxing the muscles. And yeah. I mean, yoga just makes everything better, really. Um, I am a yoga teacher, so I am extremely <laughs> biased. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How does all of this and your symptoms of endometriosis and having endometriosis, how does that affect your mental health? I have anxiety. So I don't know whether having endo affects that worse but it definitely impacts on my mental health you know as I was saying before it felt like for a long time 
oh, I'm just not going to be able to do things that I want to do because I've got this thing, mm-hmm. which I think a lot of people who have chronic illnesses, I'm sure like it's been similar for you. That you've gone through periods where you're like, ah, okay, I just won't be able to do those things. And actually overcoming that and having the support to overcome that is so important. Mm-hmm. It's really affected my like anxiety because I've had to be quite open about it at work with like male colleagues especially who are just like what (laughs) like female colleagues that I work with just they get it Mm -hmm. immediately like you just say the word endometriosis and like oh yeah oh yeah I've heard about that Mm -hmm. so I had to like kind of explain I have endometriosis um had the surgery and I'm gonna be recovering from it I won't be able to do these things that gave me a lot of like anxiety because also I get really bad bloating Mm -hmm. which makes me look pregnant yeah that affects my mental health a lot Mm -hmm. one because I still don't know like how it's going to affect my fertility so like looking pregnant um it's just strange I work with teenagers and um they're lovely but sometimes they're a bit blunt and Mm -hmm. I have been asked by students are you pregnant on my really bad bloating days and that like, I want to say I can brush that off, but I don't. Mm-hmm. I, like, hold that. And it affected me. I was like, I just can't lose this weight. But then I'd weigh myself and it would be like, oh, I'm not overweight. It's just bloating. Yeah. What? Um, so it affected my, like, I had to change my entire wardrobe to, like, baggy comfy flowy clothes which to be honest I live in as a drama teacher anyways yeah. so like I don't know why I didn't do that earlier but I don't feel comfortable wearing skin tight clothes I don't feel comfortable like working out in skin tight clothes like I like baggy clothes so it's affected my image like my how I look at myself mm-hmm. so yeah it's affected my mental health a lot because it does I know there's a lot of people out there that have it but it does feel like sometimes I'm alone in this yeah. yeah. From my reading, there are so many people that feel the same way when they're going through, whether it's endometriosis or any chronic illness. It is such a huge toll that it plays on the brain and on our mental health. Speaking of fertility, I do believe that a lot of people out there believe that if you have endometriosis, you cannot have kids you're infertile <laughs> what was the discussion around fertility when you were being diagnosed I I started thinking about how it's going to affect my fertility only this year because I'll be 26 soon crap what um, <laughs> oh my god it's October I just realized and I'm like oh I think I want to have kids by the time I'm like 30 maybe 31 I'll say that and then I'll listen to this when I'm 31 and be like, no. <laughs> so I, I know that I do want kids at some point, though. That is something I want. Or like lots of dogs. I will also settle for lots of dogs. Yeah, it's a great substitute. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I asked the gynecologist, the new one, um, I said, you know, how is this going to affect my fertility? And she went, well, I have great news. I've got a two-year-old child. Um, and then she kind of talked to me, you know, it actually, it doesn't actually impact fertility as much as the kind of information out there is telling us. Mm-hmm. I know people who have endo who have kids, so I don't, it doesn't really affect your fertility. Dep- it really depends. On what, what the disease is like for you. Yeah. On the newzealandendo.org.nz website, 
they have written that it's about three to four out of ten people who have endometriosis will have struggles getting pregnant. And I would say people who don't have endo struggle to get pregnant. Exactly. There are so many variables and factors that go into that. Yeah. So I would say, yeah, it's on my mind, Mm -hmm. definitely. But I've kind of been reassured because I have quite mild endometriosis. And where it was, it's not likely to affect my fertility. But it would depend on where it is in your body. And a lot of people um, will tell people that if you have a baby... It will basically cure your endometriosis. I remember that was like a a myth that was going around oh, wow. for a while. Fun fact, it yeah. doesn't. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so there's a lot of misinformation. And there's a lot of things we don't know about endo because it's still being researched. I mean, with any chronic illness, it's mm-hmm. always being researched. But there's a lot of things we don't know. That's definitely, it's on my mind, but it doesn't play on my mind enough at the moment to be mm-hmm. a concern. And I think it's because I don't have that pressure to have kids anytime soon. Has having endometriosis affected any of your relationships? Yeah. <laughs> my partner was like, don't say too much. Um, <laughs> um, he won't mind. It, it affected our relationship a lot. He was really good about it, like did his own research. But with that comes misinformation. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of like, not disagreements, but like... I'd be like, "Uh, no, that's not the case for me. And he'd be like, oh, well, from my research. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, I think I know what I'm feeling. So we'd have those kind of discussions. And it would impact our relationship that way. But actually, it's also connected us a lot more because he's so open to learning about it and, you know, is always checking in with me to see how I'm going. Like, oh, is that a bad flare-up day for you? And... Yeah, he's really mindful of it. So I would say it's like it's made us closer. I don't know how, but it has. Yeah, um, he sounds amazing. Yeah, yeah. And um, my my dad also like my me and my dad have always been close. But like he went like full crazy. Like I'm gonna research the heck out of this. Yep. And that was really cool too. Like to I would say it strengthened my relationships. It didn't ruin any relationships. It strengthened them because people want to know more about this thing that they don't know about. And it made me closer with my friends who did have endo because, wow, we have this like weird thing that we can connect on. Um, And showing each other, like after the surgery, showing each other our scars. (laughs) Like, oh my God, where's your scar? Yeah. (laughs) Like, I know my friend Bonnie, I hope she doesn't mind. No, she won't. We both like can like talk about our belly button scar and how like mine's actually healed quite nicely. Mm -hmm. And she's like, mine's not like that. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, it's it's been a positive. So it's 2020. You had the surgery, the lap earlier this year. How does endometriosis look for you now and how does it fit into your life? How do you manage your symptoms? Obviously, um, I had to update my wardrobe to be more flowy and for the days I was more bloaty and stuff. Um, I've had to be more mindful of my diet, what I'm eating, making sure I have a well-balanced breakfast with fiber in it and I'm much more in tune with my body. There's been times where I've been really frustrated. Like I think probably like four or five months after the surgery, I was just annoyed, angry. Because of COVID, I couldn't go see the physio. Mm-hmm. That first lockdown. I think, you know, if COVID just, COVID can just go away. Yeah, um, go in the trash can. <laughs> get out. Um, yeah, if COVID hadn't happened, I would have had a very different journey this year. So I went through a lot of frustration 
but what it looks like for me now is just being mindful of my body and actually listening to my body and not ignoring it because that's what I was doing before because mm-hmm. I was going oh, I don't want to feel this pain I'll ignore it thanks psychologist who told me to just put it away yeah. um no that's not how it works I'm actually like being aware oh I'm feeling a bit painful and then I go back from my day and I go oh I only had a banana for breakfast okay what can I do now that will ease the pain I'll do some breathing breathing mm-hmm. exercises diaphragmatic breathing and then I feel a bit better so yeah it's just being more mindful and yeah not feeling selfish for yeah. being mindful of your body mm-hmm. because I think also like in our New Zealand culture we're like we're not really taught to look after ourselves. Yeah. I mean, that's why we have a mental health problem. Mm-hmm. So it's been really cool. Like, that sounds weird. It's cool to have a chronic illness. It is, though, because I am so in tune with my body. Yeah, so many positives yeah. have come out of this. Yeah. Are you on the pill or any sort of contraception? Do you get a period? I don't get periods. I have the marina. Yeah, so that's still yeah. there. Yeah. So they put a new one in when they got the surgery. Okay. Um, the marina is like, it releases localized estrogen in the uterus. So rather than like all through your body, mm-hmm. but I'm sure it gets in. I don't actually know quite how it works. I'll be honest. I've been a little bit ignorant mm-hmm. when it comes to that stuff. But the marina basically means I don't get periods at all. Like I'm, I'm one of the lucky people that don't get periods. And does that mean none of that pain that you were getting when you were getting a period correct oh that's amazing so I still get vague symptoms but since the surgery they well they cut out most of the endo it doesn't mean I'm cured Mm -hmm. which is what a lot of people think they're like oh you've had the surgery so you're cured no but it does mean I have less pain because I'm less inflamed and then since like being more mindful I don't get any any of that pain at all yeah so I've been living like the only pain I get is other kind of more personal stuff but that's what I'm working on with my physio yeah but it's not I don't get those days where I'm stuck in bed because of my period yeah that's I'm really really glad that's so amazing and fingers crossed holding my thumbs everything hopeful that this continues and thank you so much power to those endo warriors out there yeah and there's a whole community out there so I'll give you all the links but to anyone who like is in the process of being diagnosed join up with those communities now just because you don't have an official diagnosis doesn't mean you can't start learning about endo And you can't join us, Endo Warriors. We're not an exclusive club. Yeah, (laughs) and I saw back on the nzendo.org.nz website that in New Zealand, they estimate 120,000 people have endometriosis and 176 million people around the world. Yeah, there's a lot of us. (laughs) We're taking over. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening to this episode of That's So Chronic. While I will always try to publish correct information, I am still learning and understand that the world of medicine is constantly changing. If you want to reach out, you can find me at That's So Chronic on Instagram. And as always, if you enjoyed this episode, please press subscribe on Apple Podcasts, follow on Spotify, leave a review wherever you get your podcasts, and tell everyone you know. That helps me get into more ears around the world to hopefully spread awareness and, more importantly, hope.